Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. So today's message, I, I just want to, uh, I, I entitled it Built to Last. Built to Last. We are the building, right? So we're building something and we need to take inventory of what it is that we're building. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. reading verses 20 through, 20, 20 through 33, and it talks about the coming of the kingdom. And this is Jesus talking. He says, it says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to, this, to the disciples, listen, then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Hmm. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built but on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Amen? I know that's a mouthful. But the things that I want you, to, want, want you guys to pay attention to to stick out in this, in, this, in this particular passage is that people were going about doing their thing, and all of a sudden, disaster strikes. They were marrying, they were going about their business, doing their everyday thing, and disaster strikes. Now, some of the disaster, the, the disaster that struck didn't necessarily come without warning. There's a saying that, that I grew up hearing, you know, when, when we were kind of testing the boundaries as kids and, like, doing stuff we weren't supposed to. They said, you don't believe fat meat's greasy, Right? But the thing is, is that for everything that we do, there's going to come a day of reckoning, right? There's going to come a day where, you know, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to settle all accounts. And for some of us, you know what I'm saying, we're at different, different places in our lives. And, you know, we're building lives. We're, we're, we're building a, a living for ourselves. We're, we're trying to build a legacy for our children. We're trying to do all these things we're building. We're going about doing all this stuff. But are we taking into account that there's going to come a day where all of that stuff is not going to necessarily matter, but what we've built as far as the things that are eternal. 
And it says in here, it says, remember Lot's wife. In the last bit of, bit of passage that we read, it says that one guy will be on the housetop. Let him not go back into the house for his goods. So the question you have to ask yourself, I mean, think about it. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is coming back. Amen? Can we agree on that? Jesus is coming back. It says he's going to be coming back on the clouds. So this cat's on the rooftop. When you usually go on the rooftop, you're looking in expectation. It's to get a better view, right? To, 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 to get a better, a better perspective of things. And the Bible tells us, it warns us, it tells us to be ready. Let, let yourself be found busy when the master comes back. Amen? Be on the lookout. So, if, so this dude's on the rooftop and says, don't let him go back in the house after his goods. Because if he does, he's basically going to end, end up missing. He's going to end up missing out. So the question you got to ask yourself, if Christ is coming back for his church, he's coming back for us, are our goods that are in the house greater than our God that's coming on the clouds? What are we building? What are we building? That's the thing that we have to find out. There are things being built all throughout Scripture. You see the building of dwelling places, and you see the building of altars, right? They're building temples. They're building, building the temple for, for the Lord. They're building houses, and they're building altars. That's what you find in Scripture. That's all they're building. So you got to understand that there's two, basically two types of buildings, the building for a living and a building for a dying, the altar. That's what the building of the dying is for, because there has to be a sacrifice made. Amen? We have to learn to make sacrifices. So what are we building? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. What are we building? Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 19. It speaks of Christ, our cornerstone. It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. The Amplified reads it like this. It says, therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens excluded from the rights of citizens, but you now share citizenship, citizenship with the saints, God's own people consecrated and set apart for himself, and you belong to God's own household. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined, bounded, welded together harmoniously, and it, and it continues to rise, grow, increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves are also being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode a dwelling place of God in, by, and through the Spirit. Amen? So we're finding out that 
not only are we building something, but we ourselves are being built. We're being built. Remember, this, the, 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 the title is Built to Last. We're being built. But what are we being built into? Well, we're being built into a dwelling place for God. Do you not realize that everywhere that you go, the presence of God is there? Because you're, you're an actual mobile and moving transport, transport of God's presence. So wherever you go, you don't need to fear. That's why he told us over and over again in Scripture, fear not, for I am with you. Everywhere that you go, I'm with you. Amen? So we have to continue to allow ourselves being built, but we can't get so caught up in the building that we're doing. We can't get so caught up in the building. We have to allow ourselves to be built into what God wants us to be. Remember Lot's wife. For those of you that aren't familiar with the story about Lot, Lot was Abraham's nephew. Abraham's nephew He's the only one that went with Abraham, as far as relative-wise, that went with Abraham and left to go after the promise that God had placed on, on Abraham. Now, things got kind of crazy as they, as they had, had gone off on this journey to this place that God would show Abraham, and they kind of had some, 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 a little bit of, like, you know, kind of got a little crowded, a little too close for comfort. And so Abraham... And Lot decided that, you know, it's better for us to split up. And Lot, it says in Scripture, it says that Lot decided to, to, to survey the land to try and see what place looked the best before Abraham could call dibs on it. And so Abraham was like, all right, Lot, go ahead, man. You can, you can go ahead and, you know, you know, God be with you. Godspeed. And so Lot goes on about his business with his, his family and his household, and they head towards Sodom. So, nonetheless, we all know the end of Sodom and Gomorrah, hell, fire, brimstone, right? They end, up, they end up being destroyed. But it wouldn't have been destroyed had God been able to find a certain amount of righteous people in the land. And unfortunately, at the time, the only, the only household that was righteous in the land was Lot's house. So God said, well, look, this is what, what I'm going to do on behalf of you, Abraham, since he's connected to you and I have this covenant to you, covenant with you. I'm going to go ahead and send angels over there to rescue him and his family. He wasn't going to save the land because of the family in there. He's going to get them out of there so he could get rid of that mess and tear it down, right? So specific instructions that were given to Lot and his family by the angels of the Lord. Don't look back. Don't look back. Why does it say remember Lot's wife? Because she turned around and looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. I still don't know exactly what that means as far as a pillar of salt. We're still trying to figure that out, but it wasn't good. She ceased to exist anymore. Lot's wife was a lost wife. So here's a little bit of a, of a commentary that one of the fathers of <clears throat> modern Christianity wrote, J.C. Ryle. He says, compared with millions of her fellow creatures in her time, Lot's wife was a favored woman. She had a godly man for a husband. She had Abraham, the father of the faithful, for her uncle by marriage. The faith, the knowledge, and the prayers of these two righteous men could have been no secret to her. 
It is impossible that she could have dwelt in tents with them for any length of time without knowing whose they were and whom they served. Religion with them was no formal business. It was the ruling principle of their lives and the mainspring of their actions. All this Lot's wife must have seen and known. This was no small privilege. When Abraham first received the promises, it is probable Lot's wife was there. When he built his tent between High and Bethel, it was probable she was there. When the angels came to Sodom and warned her husband to flee, she saw them. When they took them by the hand and led them out of the city, she was one of those whom they helped to escape. Once more, I say, these were no small privileges. Yet, what God, what, what good effect had all these privileges on the heart of Lot's wife? None at all. Notwithstanding all her opportunities and means of grace, notwithstanding all her special warnings and messages from heaven, she lived and died graceless, godless, impenitent, and unbelieving. The eyes of her understanding were never open. Her conscience was never really aroused and quickened. Her will was never really brought into a state of obedience to God. Her affections were never really set on things above. The form of religion which she had was kept up for fashion's sake and not from feeling. It was a cloak worn for the sake of pleasing her company, but not from any sense of its value. She did as others around her in Lot's house. She conformed to her husband's ways. She made no opposition to his religion. She allowed herself to be passively towed along in his wake. But all this time, her heart was wrong in the sight of God. The world was in her heart, and her heart was in the world. In this state she lived, and in this state she died. I know it's kind of heavy. It's pastor appreciation. I know it's kind of heavy, right? <laughs> but this is the building. And what are we building? <coughs> what are we building? That's the thing that we have to figure out. So... Write this down. This is, your first, this is your first bullet. You have to know when and where you should build. When and where you should build. Along with that, you need to know when, I'm sorry, you need to know whether you should build or you should pitch a tent. Because some things are temporary. It says, it says in Genesis chapter 13, it says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So he pitched his tent in Sodom. That was in, verse, that was in chapter 13. By the time you get to chapter 19, when the angels show up, he invites them into his house. So he didn't just pitch a tent. It ended up going, growing into the fact that, you know what, <laughs> I'm cool with being here, I'm comfortable, and I built me a house. So you have to understand, okay, should I be building or should I be pitching a tent? And where should I build? And when should I build? You read Ecclesiastes, it tells us there's a time for everything. And there's a time to build and there's a time to tear down, right? Next bullet. Build on a sure foundation. Build on a sure foundation. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49 
Jesus says, but why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Yeah, you got to read it like that. Because it's not like the ruin of that house was great. I really think that God hates seeing messes. And when they, when they fall apart and fall to pieces, he thinks that's great. The ruin of that house was great. It was good to watch it fall to pieces. Because it wasn't built on me. Right? I mean, think about it. Because it says it's like the, man who, the man who hears God's word and doesn't do it is like the man who built his house on earth. I'm sorry, flesh was built by flesh. Think about it. Flesh. We put confidence in this flesh, and it's going to lead to nothing but failure. Every time. Sometimes we get so comfortable because things are going good. That's why God allows, like, storms and stuff to come because we get comfortable and we we you know we we fold our hands and kick our feet up and lay back and chill and we think that everything is good and 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 it's safety but we never know when it's going to strike sometimes we get a warning sometimes we get that little nudge in our spirit where like man you need to be praying you need to be praying you need to be be sober be vigilant right now you know what I'm saying maybe you need to, maybe you need to fast while everybody's feasting because because there's something I'm trying to drop on you right now that you can get you know, we have to constantly, it's our job in building that we constantly are sticking to the blueprint that God has laid for us. Amen? You have to build on a sure foundation. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4 through 6 says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Which leads us to our next bullet point. Build with the end in mind. Build with the end in mind. If you stick to the blueprint, you already know what the end is. You stick to the blueprint, you already know what the end is. One of the craziest things is like I remember like being in school when we were kids and like Legos were the thing that we just we, we used to we used to play with as kids. And so sometimes we'd have like in class they'd have like Lego building contest to see what you you know what you gonna come up with and stuff and like sometimes because it's a contest and kids like want the prize at the end you know what I'm saying they like over there looking like what, what you building what you gonna build what you, you know everybody's everybody's up in everybody's business trying to find out what they're building and even even though you in your mind kind of had an idea that whatever it was that you were gonna build 
you already had in mind what it was that you were going to build. And you're like, man, this is going to be the best thing. But then you kind of start looking over at somebody else's stuff. And you're like, uh. And all of a sudden, your thing starts morphing into something that it wasn't intended to be. Right? It's just like, you know, you got to understand, like, am I, am I building on the, on the fundamental building blocks? Am I building faith? Am I building hope? Am I building love? Right? You build in your house, right? You already had the blueprints. You're building your house, and you see your neighbors across the street for some reason because they're like one of those apocalyptic, like, you know, fearful preppers. You know what I'm saying? They're those, they're those preppers. And so you, you got this miraculous dwelling place that you have in your mind. You got the blueprint, and you're building it or whatever. But then you see them, like, you know, putting, like, bars and stuff on the windows and everything. And now and, and you kind of, like, start getting that, catching that, that spirit of fear because you're seeing what's going on with them, and now all of a sudden I'm like, uh, what, what I have isn't good enough, and I, th I think I need to do some of that and, and a little bit of this over here, and now you got this thing that looks a mess. And the destruction of that house was great. <laughs> right? So build with the end in mind, man. Trust the blueprint. Trust the master builder. Trust the master builder. Trust the architect. Or as my grandfather would say, the architect. Right? The architect. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting with verse 5. It's funny because I've, I've, I've read this scripture. Me and my wife talk about this scripture a lot, but I never read... It like I did this weekend. It was it was just really weird. So it talks about the watering and the working and all that stuff. So uh, starting with verse 5, it says, Who then is Paul and who is Ap Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything. Neither he who plants or waters is anything. You know, we get caught up in the, in the planting and the water, and we're like, yeah, man, I planted, you know what I'm saying? I planted a seed. Or, man, I watered that seed. And it just says, who are you? <laughs> Nothing. Because nobody gets excited about the planting of the seed. Nobody gets excited about watering the lawn. Right? Nobody gets excited about that. They get excited when they see the increase. They get excited when they see the fruit. They get excited when it's coming up. And that only comes through God. All we know is we, we, know, we just know the, the, like, literally planting and watering is, like, basic, the basic instruction that God gives us. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he could really explain to us how increase comes for it, it would blow our mind. We can't even comprehend it. So that's why he says just dig in the ground, put it in there, and water it. Right? Just, just do that. Just follow that and watch what happens. Watch, watch, watch what happens. Just do that. But you would rack your brain trying to figure out how to make that thing grow. Because literally all it is is just following the directions is what makes it grow. God, God is responsible for the increase that comes forth. So the one that waters, the one that, see, the one that plants the seed, the one that waters, they're nothing. It is God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Why? Because they're following direction. 
That's where the reward comes from. It comes from following the directions. Amen? Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. So we're working with God. Are we working with God or are we working against him? What are we building? Right? For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Are we in the building? This is the building? Okay, I'm just checking. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Follow this. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on straw, I mean, I'm sorry, builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. I don't think that this is ironic, but we're in the wake of the fires last week, right? These are some of the, this, this is some of the footage, you know what I'm saying? But this was the, the illustration that I got because we don't know when the day is. We know that Jesus is coming back to get us. We don't know all the specifics. That's a blind date. Right? Blind date. That's Aha Gazelle. I can't take, care of, take, take credit for that. No, nah, but uh, <laughs> in the wake of the fires, man, it, it was crazy because I work in Napa, and uh, I work for the, the, the probation department, and so we were, like, on, like, special assignment all week. We were working at the shelters. We were working patrol, trying to keep people from going back into the neighborhoods that had burnt down and stuff like that, watching out for looters and different, different things and, and stuff like that. And um, I just, it, it gave me another, another sense of gratefulness that, you know, that uh, it didn't happen to me. You know what I'm saying? I, I wish it didn't happen to anybody, but I'm, I was just grateful it didn't happen to me. And some of us... Here, we lived in areas that we were on standby, right? The thing that was crazy to me, though, like, it's crazy what the spirit, how the spirit of fear is. I don't know some of y'all that are friends with me on Facebook. I just, sometimes, like, most of the time, I can let stuff slide. I can just let stuff go. But I had to shoot, I had, I had to fire some shots because people was just, like, coming through with the with the spirit of fear on, on, my, on my timeline. And I'm like, and these are, these are believers, I'm like, dudes, you on the butt side of Susun, where you ain't nowhere near the fire, and you like, you know what I'm saying, panic, disaster, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's crazy. Like, you, it's Hurricane Katrina and the fires and Houston going on right now, right? And, and, and so I just had to say, look, man, you know what? Yes, I can smell the smoke in the air, but the spirit of fear has killed more people than smoke inhalation. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. It's good to be sober. It's good to be vigilant. But do not succumb to panic. Who is your trust in? Who is your faith in? Are you building on the rock? Or are you building on the earth? What are you doing? What are we building? So it was, it was crazy, man. We were going through neighborhoods, and, and there's, like, houses that I'm talking about, like, million-dollar houses. I mean, that fire was crazy, like, so hot that there were, like, people that couldn't get their car cars out of the garage, and it, like, 
incinerated their car. Like, their car wasn't there. Like, some places you went, the cars were there, but they were burnt up. There was, like, one house that had, like, two Mercedes in the garage, and they were gone. Like, they got raptured out of it. It was like there was nothing there. Just dust and ashes. I'm like, what were they made out of? Were they, like, paper Mercedes? It was just crazy. It was like to think that a fire got that hot. And um, I had a couple of coworkers, like uh, family members, parents, and stuff like that. They didn't necessarily uh, um, lose their places, but they they were close enough to where they just had to get out of there, and they didn't know it was just that that you know that quick. Woke up in the middle of the night. Yeah, people that were that were like still sleep, and fires probably like less than a mile away, and units were going to their houses, knocking on windows. Two-story, second-story window, climb up with a ladder, knocking on there saying, wake up, you got to get out. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it, it was crazy. But again, I think Pastor said it, a couple, uh, said, it, said it about a week ago, but he was saying that you look at these houses, there's nothing left but the foundation. The foundation. And as he's reading, he says, in the day, for the day will declare it because it's going to be tried by fire, whatever it is that we are building. The foundation has been laid by Jesus and the apostles that he chose to lay the foundation on which we build. And whether we build with straw or we build with hay or we build with, with wood or, or gold, it's going to be tried. And whatever has been done eternally for Christ's sake is what's going to be left. There were a lot of people that, like I said, they had, they had Mercedes sitting in the garage that they couldn't have taken. They couldn't take it with them. They didn't get a chance to grab it out of there. And I, I'm, I'm, I say that the coming of Christ is going to be the same way. Are you going to be on the rooftop looking for your Savior coming on the clouds? Or are you going to be more concerned with the building, the building of your bank account? The building of your mattress money that you got stashed away. The building of your goods, the stuffs and things and the things and stuffs that you have in your house. Are you willing to forsake all of that for the glory? Your, your Savior is coming in all of his glory on the clouds. Watch this. You can go to the next, next uh, slide. It says, if anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. You got the other picture? There he is standing, you got people standing in the middle of their dwelling places, and that's how some of us might look on that day. But if you take time right now to inventory Take, inv take inventory of your life and find out what it is that I'm building. You don't have to look like that. I pray to have a dwelling place that, that looks like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's still standing and looks pristine and doesn't even smell of smoke. Only what we do for Christ will last. Verse 16, I'm going to end it with this.
So if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Last bullet point. You have to know your role. Verse 16 says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? You stand to our feet. I know this is kind of a heavy word for pastor appreciation, but I think our pastors would appreciate the fact that you guys are being encouraged. All of us are being encouraged to build our faith, build our hope, build our love, and make sure that we're using the right materials to build on the foundation that's been laid for us, that we're building on the rock. Amen? We have to ask ourselves, do we really know? Am I living like I know that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit? Am, am I living, am I carrying myself and conducting myself like I know that I'm a carrier of his presence? What am I building? I know we all have goals and, and, and aspirations and things that we want to do and things that we want to accomplish, which God has given us. But never allow that. Never allow your, 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 your ventures and, and, and all of the, the things that you're, that you're aspiring to do and all your aspirations be greater than the building that he's doing in you. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.